0: Welcome to the Kinetic Enterprise, Built to Evolve, presented by Deloitte. Your host for the program is Bonnie D. Graham. This program will help set up your business for the future with topics centered on the four pillars of the Kinetic Enterprise. We'll focus on case studies and leading practices designed to move you to the next level. Now, here is Bonnie D. Graham.
1: Thank you, sir announcer. Appreciate that. Let me just give a quick note to all of our listeners around the world. Deloitte has been recognized by SAP as the number one global partner Follow us on Twitter at SAP, and you all know how to spell that. Let me tell you what we're talking about today, important and interesting topic that's relevant for companies all over the world, because that's who our listeners are. We appreciate all of you. Organizations investing in ERP, and we're talking to all of you regardless of where you are, your footprint in an industry, how old your company is, what you're doing, ERP, you know organizations investing in erp can struggle to turn their data into valuable insights and intelligence and you've been hearing this for years and you know that's what the goal is leading with an analytics first approach and that's our theme today can open conversations across departments and unlock different perspectives on what information your organization needs and how ERP technology can support your people and your processes best. Today on our episode, our panelists, and we have two very interesting professionals, will discuss how adopting an analytics first approach can lead a company, your company, to create the proper governance and structure for centralizing your analytics function, finding data easily via a single reference point, and you've probably all heard this before, a source of truth, and enabling better insights and ideas across the organization. If you listen today, and we know you are, you're going to learn how you can turn your data into a foundation of intelligence to drive innovation, transformation, and growth. And I think in there, if you listen carefully to what I've been saying across parts of your organization. We're talking about getting rid of the silos and having these conversations. So I have two very special guests with me today. We are recording the Zoom video. I can see my guests, my privilege. So just for the recording, I'm gonna have you each wave when I say your name. We have Scott Gablehart back. Hello, Scott. Welcome. You're on a recent, delighted to have you. Thank you very much. And we have a guest thought leader with us today. His name is Kevin Aiden, and I'm gonna spell your name. Kevin, wave hello. Kevin's last name is A-I-D-U-N, if anybody wants to Google him, and look them up we're gonna ask them for their insights on the kinetic enterprise ready for takeoff with an analytics first approach I like that title so welcome to both of you and let's get started Scott you were on the show about a week ago two weeks ago and I'm guessing Scott knowing how charismatic you are I'm guessing there might be about 7.3 people who don't remember you from last time Tisk tisk on them, but just refresh their memory on who you are and what you do at Deloitte. And then we'll ask Kevin, our newcomer, to introduce himself. Go ahead, Scott, and welcome back.
2: Thank you, Bonnie. Uh, I'm Scott Gablehart, Specialist Leader. (coughs) Been at Deloitte uh, in the North American analytics practice for about two and a half years. Uh, Prior to that, uh, 20 plus years in software and services, anywhere from SAP, Business Objects, Sybase, uh, just to name a few. Uh, both uh, developing solutions, developing core product, and then delivering it to our customers. Um, I'm just so excited to be back. And uh, what really excites me about today's uh, podcast is I actually have um, my customer here. He's also my friend and a and a, great, uh, a great teammate. And um, I hope our listeners will enjoy as we kind of tell the story of a real analytics-first implementation at Kevin's company, the value, some of the things you need to think about, all of that. So, Bonnie, again, thank you very much for having me on a second time. Hopefully, uh, it won't just be these two, but uh, it's (laughs) it's been great. Thank
1: you. Thank you very much. Delighted to have you back. Kevin Aiden, what an interesting ramp up to your introduction. So, why don't you tell everybody who you are and what you do. Kevin, welcome.
3: Good morning. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to follow Scott's example, but, you know, I'm a technology data and analytics professional. I've been, I've been doing this for a number of years now. And, you know, I'm under the firm belief that, um, analytics and data as a whole is a value driver for an organization. It's the ethos that I bring to every project that I work on. And I'm very excited today to have, uh, have you guys be able to hear kind of the day-to-day that Scott and I go through, um, some of the trade-offs, some of the interesting, uh, points of reference and what kind of, what can drive value at your enterprise through an analytics first approach.
1: Thank you very much. You know what I'd like to do, the two of you, I'd like to level set. Can we get a definition of analytics first? There might be a couple of people who don't, aren't familiar with the term, who don't know what it means. Scott, you want to take a stab at a quick definition so people will know we'll level set our topic here. Sure,
2: sure. So from a Deloitte perspective, it's, it's it's an approach It's a mindset and it's also some key pieces of technology uh, where when they're all combined together, we've had our most successful customers. So an analytics first approach is is just that. Um, Regardless of where our customers are from an S4 HANA implementation, if they're just still on their their old ECC as an example, uh, we refer to them as an analytics first uh opportunity like what we're doing at kevin's company right now or if the customer is in the middle of uh standing up their s4 uh we um propose taking an analytics first approach there where at the same time you're standing up your s4 you're bringing up your analytics first platform and we can get to you know later in the conversation why that would make sense or you could go back and look at listen to the old podcast and then there are also s4 hana customers that have it all implemented up and running and, and from an operational perspective, all the analytics and everything is great, but they want more. They want to get that 360 degree view of their business. So the whole concept behind analytics first is no matter where you are in the continuum in your S4 HANA journey, analytics always need to be at the forefront because as we've seen, and as we discussed previously um, in order to survive in this business climate and when the next, major catastrophe or something happens at a global scale, having that analytics and analytics first approach, in in my mind, again, in my belief, is going to be the difference between the companies that thrive and grow and the companies that are yesterday.
1: Thank you very much, Scott. Kevin, love to get your perspective. We're still level setting. We haven't gotten your opening quotes yet, but this is important. You know, we often take for granted that everybody knows what we're talking about, right? People in the industry, both of you, you get it. Analytics first. I read about it, but what does it actually mean and what kind of companies does it work for? And I said in my introduction, it doesn't matter where they are in the world, what industry they're in, what their footprint is, how big or how old, how mature their company is. So, Kevin, what's your perspective on what is analytics first?
3: Absolutely. So um, first of all, I, Scott, I agree with kind of what you're saying in in terms of kind of, you know, how how we're approaching it at a day to day, but analytics first to me, goes beyond just an ERP implementation. Even it's really letting the data, the insights and um, you know, what, what you're finding in the real world drive where you're taking any project that you're working on. So really looking at the analytics first, before you start making people and process decisions, and using that to drive how you want to incorporate um, process overhauls or um, any sort of solution that you're you're looking to leverage.
1: Thank you very much, gentlemen. Appreciate that. Now let's go to the part of the show where I have asked Scott and Kevin to send me an interesting quote from a fictional character in a movie or TV show or a song lyric. And they're going to interpret the quote they picked, which has literally nothing to do with our topic, interpret the relevance to the topic. This should be fun. Scott Gablehart has sent me a quote from a song. Never heard of this one. Did a lot of research on it. Scott, it's from the Irish rock band U2. We all know Bono. And the song is called 11 O'Clock TikTok. Let me just give a little background here. It was released as a single on May 16th, 1980. You want to do the math on that, Scott? And 1980, that's, that's 42. Two years ago yeah the
2: music is still timeless
1: I know I know and it was the lyrics were written by Bono lead vocalist of course and he attended a concert of a group called cramps I'm not going to say anything about that in London and he watched the lifeless goth style crowd from a balcony and whatever he saw there the lost in the looks on their faces the lostness and he wrote the song based on that and it was very interesting mixed at a windmill lane studios in london at the request of the producer and there's a backstory you all have to look up but i would love to do a whole show on this but we're not going to here's the quote scott has selected we thought we had the answers. It was the questions we had wrong. Scott, this could be p- posted on the side of a building somewhere. This is this is a t- timeless quote. Talk to me. How'd you find this one in that song? And how does it relate to our topic, Scott?
2: Um. So, thank you, Bonnie. Um, I I grew up as a teenager listening to you two, and I don't know. There's just in writing code and. And uh, looking to build value-based solutions, music plays into it. And that was just one of the bands I grew up with. And when you think about what we're talking about here, right? Uh, having an analytics-first approach, opening up that EDW or opening up that S4 HANA environment. Um, and, and Kevin put it very well, right? Um, regardless if it's an ERP or not, you know, to, thinking and considering the analytics first. But when I, when I think about that quote, what just hits me and what just resonates with what we're talking about here is, is before there was only a certain level of answers that you could get at because of the, the, the architecture and the system and how things were put together because an analytics first approach wasn't taken. They were like, I got to get my business up and running. Maybe I'll just put some reports out there for the business. And those reports probably don't go as deep as I need to from an analytics first perspective to really get the answers and insights that I need. Hence, I had answers, but I really didn't have the answers that I needed at the department level or at the at the board level or at the individual contributor level. Right. Now taking analytics first approach, I can get in and I can ask more of those questions that I really need in order to gain the insight in a timely manner to have it be effective for my business. But yeah, it's it's uh, it's a beautiful quote. It's it you're right, it, it should be on the side of a couple buildings.
1: It should be, or crocheted on a pillow. If I ever pick up my crochet hook, I might do that, or a accrual work or something like that. I, I want to say that I believe there's a, an old, an adage, I guess adages are old by definition, of the smart person <clears throat> doesn't know all the answers, but they know the right questions to ask, right? And they know who may or may not have those answers. So thank you, Scott. That, that's going to be one of my new favorites. Speaking of one of my new favorites, Kevin has also picked a quote I never expected from the character I'm going to mention in a second and this is going to be another one of my favorite new quotes. It's from Yoda Star Wars. We're not quite sure those of you who are Star Wars franchise Star Wars fans um, the world of Star Wars. We're not sure exactly when this was said and which movie because there are so many but just as a refresher Yoda is a fictional character in the Star Wars universe. Now they have a universe Kevin how about that? He first appeared in the 1980 film The Empire Strikes Back. He's a small green humanoid alien, powerful with the force. And he was the Grand Master of the Jedi Order, puppeteered and voiced, of course, by the brilliant Frank Oz. And Yoda has a very distinctive pattern of speech and a role as a wise mentor. Here's the quote. I've never heard this one, Kevin, and I have to know how you found it because it's really good. Here's the quote. You want to know the difference between a master and a beginner? The master, I'm not trying to do a Yoda impersonation, sorry. The master has failed more times than the beginner has ever tried. Wow, Kevin, how did you find, I've never had that quote from Yoda on any of my shows. Where'd you find this one?
3: Yeah, so, you know, this, this is a mentality that, I've thought about a lot, and and you see it in a day-to-day, you know, through any one of these these analytics projects, these data um, the data work that you do, and you know, one of the big things that you hear all the time is fail fast, fail early, and learn from it, right? And so I was looking for something that fit that theme, given kind of that's one of the principles that I tried to bring to the team. And, you know, being a Star Wars fan, when I saw uh, this quote attributed to Yoda, I thought, you know, this is, this is perfect. This, this is putting out the message that I want because, you know, all too often people are afraid to fail and they let that hold them back. And one of the, um, one of the key things to learning is going through failure, understanding what went wrong, and then taking that and building yourself up and building a stronger foundation to be better the next time you try.
1: Thank you very much. Scott, what did you think of the quote Kevin selected? I thought it was pretty cool.
2: Um, I, I think it's outstanding. And, and and as a testament to Kevin, um, I've been doing this uh, a little longer than, than Kevin. And uh, from a customer <laughs> perspective, I've never seen a more passionate person that lives this ethos of one team. And... It, you'll hear it on our daily status calls. It's okay to fail. And we're completely fine with it because we we make mistakes left and right all day long. But the, the point of it is, is that you learn from the mistake and you move that forward. So we're not repeating that. But no, he, um, <laughs> the, the quote, the Yoda piece, um, the the fast fail and learning from it, Kevin embodies that every single day um, from a leader. Um, and he, he imparts that to um, all of his team around him.
1: What a nice testimonial, Mr. Kevin Aiden. There you go. Are you basking in the glow of Scott a- Scott Cablehart's comments? We'll leave that one alone, I don't want to embarrass you. Thank you, Scott. And thank you both for the very interesting quotes. I-, I applaud both of you for digging deep to find really good quotes for the show today. Now let's move on to the round table. Scott, I put your statement number one into the chat. I'm going to read it. And I'm going to ask you to unpack it, take about three minutes. And what I would like to do then is I'll ask Kevin. I'm not sure how this part of the show is going to go. I'm going to ask Kevin to agree or disagree. Now, Kevin, Scott warned me in advance. It's okay for you to disagree with him just today on this show after that all bets are off. I don't know. So you're, bo- you're both smiling just today. So here's here's the statement from Scott then I'll pick one from Kevin and we'll go back and forth. We've got about 40 minutes to fill. We've got a lot to talk about here. So Kevin Scott says, choosing the right technology platform will be an analytics first differentiator though not the sole contributing factor ensuring a company's success. Let's keep this at the company, uh, the broad company level. Scott, go ahead, unpack, sure. please. Thank
2: you, Bonnie. So th- this is this is something that uh, Kevin and I, uh, we uh, if we were two tennis players, we're just smashing forehands and backhands at each other all day long about this. And and after, you know, uh, working with Kevin and delivering this value over the past couple of years, it's still something we go back and forth on. I, I believe that the right technology does make uh, a difference when adopting an analytics-first approach. Um, like I had said earlier, there are pieces. When you ask me, you know, what's Deloitte's analytics-first approach? Is I said it was some process methodology of thinking. There's also some technology behind it. Um, I believe one of those key pieces is the SAP HANA engine. Uh, from a columnar database perspective, um, gives us part of that advantage. Now as you know Kevin and I agree but but still you know chide each other on um it's it's not just that you know having a having a really fast car doesn't really matter uh when it comes to winning the race if you don't know how to brake and hit the accelerator and turn in and hit the apex and all that fun stuff you can see I follow formula one a little bit but mm-hmm. my whole point there is is that I believe uh, a successful analytics first implementation does have some key technology pieces that uh, clearly differentiate it and help accelerate the win. But there is no way, you know, process, data, all of that. There is no way that you can't just put all of that to the side, you know? And I think that's where some people fail. They're just like, hey, there's this new shiny piece of technology out there. It's gonna revolutionize the world. We're just gonna put it into a 20 plus year corporation and magic's just gonna happen. No, that's just a fallacy.
1: Okay. Let's see if we can deal with that fallacy. Kevin Aiden, agree or disagree with Mr. Gablehart? What do you think?
3: Agree to an extent. So building off of, building off of Scott's analogy around the car, right? Uh, Also a formula one fan, but it's, it's essentially the way I view it is you have to understand what the use of the car is first and who is going to be using the car before you go decide to buy what, uh, whatever type of car it is. So if, I'm looking for a daily driver to commute to work. I'm not going to go after a Formula One car. Now, if I'm looking to win a race, I'm going to go buy a Red Bull or a Ferrari. But you know, bringing that back down to the topic, it's it's really about how do you leverage technology to enable an organization to transform and move forward, and that can be visible in the analytics space as well, where you know you have a number of use cases that, you know, as you're going through your blueprinting or as you're going through your analysis and conversations with stakeholders, you understand kind of what are the key benefits that I'm looking to get out of this project or out of this analytics first mentality and allow that to then drive because there are a variety of, you know, analytics engines out there, SAP HANA being one um, that each have their own benefits, have their own challenges And if you have a good understanding of what you're looking to accomplish, what your definition of success is, then you can make a better decision around the technology and implement it in the most efficient way possible.
1: Thank you very much. Scott, anything you want to say back? I'm putting, I'm putting something in the notes for you, Kevin. Go ahead, Scott.
2: No, I I, (laughs) I think hopefully our listeners and hopefully Bonnie, you're picking up how Kevin and I work so well together. So, uh, but no, I, I, I don't disagree with his with his comments at all.
1: Okay. That's why it's good to have these conversations where it's an open forum and you can, yep. we, we get the nuances, right, Kevin and Scott? We get the nuances of these definitions and we get to hear the variations in, in the approach, which is important because you're all people and you have different backgrounds coming from different places, but success is the goal. That's the goal for both of you. So let's go to Kevin Aiden. I'm looking at your statement number one. This is interesting, and it goes back to something I mentioned in my opening, and I'd like you to clarify or expand it a little bit. You say technology in isolation. Everybody write that down. Technology in isolation provides little value without consideration for people and process. Kevin, Aiden, go ahead.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And it it built off kind of where where Scott left off. So I think this is the perfect uh, topic to move to next is, you know, just implementing any sort of technological solution, the shiny new object, whatever it is, the the greatest new database that's out there, um, you know, without consideration for the people in process, you're really just creating more overhead at the company that you're working at. And, you know, you you see that a lot where folks go and chase after kind of the latest and greatest, and they don't don't understand what they're trying to solve for. They don't understand the use case that you're really trying to achieve. And in doing that, you just create another platform and specifically around the data, you create another area where this data is gonna reside without um, understanding the implications of duplicating or triplicating or whatever it is, the analytical workload that you're, that you're taking on.
1: Thank you, Scott, thoughts back.
2: No, I agree. And, uh, you know, to kind of build on what Kevin was saying, you know, that new shiny object that I alluded to, that new piece of technology, technology for the sake of technology isn't really going to solve the problem because still in the 21st century, you still have people, you still have processes, and you still have whatever technology company X Y Z has been running with. So, actually, what you're doing with that shiny object is you're actually creating more friction in the workplace. Which the whole goal of having an analytics-first approach is to reduce the friction and to get people in so they can actually have the insight to help drive the business forward.
1: Thank you very much. Let me ask you a question, uh, Kevin. I'm going to Kevin to you is is there a buy-in at an executive level to do what you're talking about to understand that technology cannot be in isolation is this a a change Management issue is this a corporate mindset? Is this something where somebody says, "Yeah, we're not just doing the shiny object, and it's only for the people in IT, or it's only for the people in this department." Everybody needs to buy in because people we still have people working for companies, right? Yes, we do. Thank goodness. Yes, we we I think we got over that fear a while ago, but it may emerge in the coming years, especially with the Great Resignation and so much robotics. But Kevin, is there a buy-in at a high level that has to come around us to make it happen? What do you What do you observe?
3: yeah there absolutely is a buy-in and thank you for you know opening up that door because you know that's that's a lot of the challenges that you face in in any sort of um implementation approach is first and foremost you have to make sure that the decision makers understand what you're doing, that they understand the benefits of what you're doing and that you're getting their buy-in because that's how it's gonna trickle down and you're gonna be able to have those open lines of communication across the enterprise to make sure that the project is a success. And that includes, um, to Scott's point, that includes limiting the amount of friction um, that, that you see in these sorts of projects across IT, across the business, across whatever organization that you're working with.
1: Thank you. I I'm glad. I what I like to do on these shows is we often talk in big broad terms. Scott, you know about this from, from previous shows. We talk in big broad terms and we say companies need to, organizations need to. But we don't talk about whose whose role is it, whose job is it to get this buy-in, right, Kevin? We don't talk about who in on what seat around the C suite table. Does mm-hmm. the responsibility lie? And it sounds like it lies with everybody. There needs to be this broad understanding that we're not just buying the newest and greatest and latest. We need people to embrace, adopt, adapt perhaps to what we're planning to do. Scott, anything you want to add to that one? Go, go ahead, Kevin.
3: I was just going to say, it goes beyond the C-suite as well, right? When when you're thinking about um, any sort of technology, there's IT implications in terms of security, in terms of infrastructure that you need to be cognizant of, and that's working with your architects, that's working with the implementers, that's working with your CIO. There's the financial aspect that you want to make sure that your CFO and his organization are clued in on, and everyone has the same definition of success. Because, you know, everybody is coming at these projects from a different perspective and one of the big things that, you know, I'm hopeful we'll talk about today is open lines of communication and to Scott's point, how do we work as one team to make, to make that vision a reality?
1: Absolutely, and I'm remembering the days my early radio work for SAP years ago. I did a show called "In the Cloud" with Game Changers, and somebody brought up the topic of rogue IT. Remember when that was a thing? When I Kevin smiling, Scott smiling. Remember when when IT would get a hold of that shiny object and they'd say, "Look what we discovered, and we're going to go run with it." and torpedoes be damned about the rest of the company. So I don't know if that's still happening. Thank you for those comments, Kevin. Scott, anything you want to add to the additional notes that, that uh, Kevin just shared?
2: Rogue IT never happens. I, I've never heard of it in my life. right. I just want to add to it because um, not just at Kevin's company uh, where we've had, you know, collectively great success from the analytics first approach, but... Just, you know, even a more broader aspect. And it's it's really the art. You know, why do some projects succeed and they're wildly successful at company XYZ? And why do some fail? Some of it's inflection, some of it's timing, and some of it you've got someone pounding the table that wants this and that is fully supportive of what you're trying to do. And a couple of those pieces have to come together just at the right time. And then once you actually get that initial success you know we're going to talk about uh how that success grows and all that kind of stuff and what it can lead to uh hopefully in one of the questions but um you know to kevin's point and and into my earlier point shining technology in isolation is just going to create more friction is going to fail and cost the company more money getting that right level of buy-in and that constant commitment because let's be honest here Software doesn't think for itself fully yet, right? So there are still human elements. There are still people that need to understand what it is we're doing and why, and there are gonna be bumps along the way. But getting through those bumps and delivering that value for me is one of the greatest things. I mean, people ask me, what gets you out of bed in the morning? Delivering a value-based solution based upon analytics and seeing the impact to a corporation I don't know. There's probably a few other things in life that will get me out of bed as well. But that day in, day out for all these years is still what drives me.
1: Thank you. Up close and personal with Scott art. I appreciate that. Thank you. And the question is usually, what keeps you awake at night? Now, what's And I like the way you position that. Thank you. Let's move on to another topic here. We've got a lot to cover. And, and I appreciate both of you going with my sidebar, I call these, Kevin, where an idea comes to me about what I think the audience would really like to know. And we, we interject it. And this was a good one. Scott, statement number two, I put it in the chat for you. Self-services implemented via an analytics-first approach is the difference between, I love this, this is an old, old qu- quote, old saying, between feeding a person a fish so they can eat that dinner or enabling a person to learn to fish for themselves and they'll be able to eat for a lifetime. I embellished what you wrote. Scott, talk to us.
2: Yeah. So thank you, Bonnie. Yeah. So I, I think that adage really resonated when I was putting together some of my statements and, and, and Kevin and I see it time in and time out, right? Um, when we're building our models and we're thinking about, um, you know, Kevin will get a request from the business or be in a series of meetings with executives and, and there'll be these thoughts, well, we need to look at it this way and all of that. You know, we get back, we look at our models and when we're building something, we're not building it just to be a report from, con- from a consumption perspective. Because what happens after you deliver that report or you deliver that model into a dashboard There's always the next the next the next question right well how about this how about that so when we're designing these models based upon requirements what we're looking at is is we're looking at all the different angles for consumption and what you'll see it's not a theory it's actually been here for a while when you're adopting an analytics first approach um the whole idea of self-service right and it goes back to that old adage right the report is the fish that i gave you for dinner one night the Going out and fishing every day and being self-sufficient, that's having the self-service capabilities uh, from your analytics-first platform. So I think it's very impactful.
1: Thank you. Let's see what Kevin has to say about phishing. Go ahead, Kevin.
3: I, I absolutely agree. And this is another one of the kind of key tenants that Scott and I try and push for on a daily basis is, you know, we don't want to just answer the question at hand. We want to dive deeper, ask why, ask, you know, what are you, what do you do once you get that data? And that really helps drive that more insight-driven self-service solution so that we can create the right model to make that information available to the end users. And if you think about it, you know, you think about kind of how a flywheel works as an example is the first few cranks of that flywheel. flywheel are very tough. And that's the going back and forth on the initial requirements and you know, getting getting the initial model put together. But as that flywheel starts turning, you're really gaining momentum. So as you're getting this information out to the business, not only are you teaching them kind of how to start thinking about this, but you're giving them the ability to moving forward, answer the questions themselves, and then they can become a little smarter about the questions that they're asking. And, you know, as as, like I said, as the the flywheel gets faster and faster is really where you see that
2: value increase in pace.
1: Thank you very much. Scott, you want to comment on what Kevin just shared?
2: Kevin, what kind of flywheel are you talking about? Because if we're talking about Formula One, do they even have flywheels anymore?
3: (laughs) (laughs) With the complexity of those transmissions? I don't know.
1: You know what I want to do next is, Kevin, I'm looking at your statement number four, and you've talked a lot about that a little bit, but you've got an interesting quote here. It may be apocryphal that it was really said by Henry Ford. I, I looked it up on Quote Investigator. Have either one of you ever used QuoteInvestigator.com to look up quotes? It, I probably should if I'm oh,
3: still attributing this to uh, Henry Ford. So. From real
1: people, they have contributors, a quote investigator who who send in snippets of. Uh, this appeared in a, a certain local journal in I don't know, Milwaukee Times in in 1922 on page 11. And and uh, Henry Ford was already dead when somebody said. And his ne- his nephew, by the way, Henry Ford's nephew <laughs> attributes this to him, even though there's no evidence that he really ever said it. So by by definition of of attribution through a family member later in a later generation. Apparently, it's supposed to be true. But l- let me just read this, Kevin, and ask you to embellish a little bit about what we just talked about. You say, if you're only answering the question at hand, you're only going to develop a faster horse. I think everybody knows where this is going. You need to probe deeper and ask deeper ask why to allow the development of the car. And this was about Henry Ford's, as I say, po- possibly apocalyptic. Grateful quote. If I had only asked my customers what they wanted, they would have told me a faster horse. He, may, other people said it actually, but I don't know if he did. So let's talk about the why. Kevin, can we dive into that for analytics first, please?
3: Yeah, absolutely. And this is, you know, one of my favorite quotes. And um, you know, I'm, I'm sure Scott has heard me say this a number of times, but you know, at, like I was saying, asking the why really gets at the heart of what what ultimately is the value driver that your customer is looking for in this scenario? So a lot of times in in this type of work, you know, you get a series of questions and they they don't appear in parallel. You don't have foresight into kind of ultimately where it's trying to go. And so you'll get, you know, a question about, you know, what is the data telling me about this? And then you go pull that information and you respond back and then you get a response of, oh, okay, well, if that's the answer, then what does the data say about this? And you you tend to build out this very long q a cycle where you know if you up front really start looking at okay why are you asking me this what is the implication of the question what are you going to do with the information once i give it to you that's where you can get to a true understanding with your customer or with your business partner or with it or whoever it is that you're working with to understand kind of what their motivation is what what is the value driver in the work that they're doing that you can then really get to that transformational element?
1: Scott, thoughts? Well, on a
2: Henry Ford
1: quote, I'd rather
2: quote Steven Jobs. Than, um, instead of asking the people what they want, giving the people uh, Apple's idea of what they need, but i uh, I'll keep that one off to the side um, before
1: they know what they need. Wasn't that part of what he said? We're going to give them what they need before they even realize it. I thought. That yeah, was part I
2: think of it was. I think it was a little more. Uh, I think it was a little <clears> more <throat> dead on than that. I he. I, I think if I go back. Well, you can go to that quote thing that you were mentioning, Bonnie. But <laughs> go, go ahead. I, I think. He, I think he spoke about the fact that uh, we don't ask the customer what they need. We give them what we think they need, right? And yes. that that has worked for him. I, that would not work in uh, corporate America from an analytics first perspective whatsoever across the globe. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, if you think about it and, and I don't know, maybe we should have a live podcast from uh, from Kevin's company someday when we're going through some of these session requirements gathering pieces because asking that why that Kevin talks about just completely cuts through a lot of this and it gets to the core of what it is they're really thinking. And then what you'll start to see is from that core, there'll be a germination of all these other little pieces, right? And the combination of, we call it the dimensions and the measures, when that really comes together, that really starts to tell the story of what they're looking
1: for. Thank you. And I did look it up just now and I found various variations on what he said, but the quote I'm seeing here with a picture of Steve Jobs is, uh, customers don't know what they want until you show it to them. Hmm. Good old Steve. I, yeah, <laughs> I hadn't heard that. Interesting sidebar. Uh, Steve Jobs passed away on October 5th, 2011. Do you know how yeah. I know that? You know how I know that exact date? Because that was the date of my first live radio show for SAP. My first Game Changers radio show was October 5th, 2011. And when we got off the air, we found out that Steve Jobs had passed away. Very. Very interesting coincidence in in timing there. So I will always remember that. Kevin, anything you want to say back? Because I'm ready to take up another statement here. I have something interesting and a new topic from Scott I want to talk about. But Kevin, anything you want to do to close that one out?
3: No, absolutely. I think, um, you know, the, the Steve Jobs quote actually fits in here as well. Of You know, this ultimately what you're trying to get at is understanding what they want before they really know what they want. And the way you get to that is by diving deeper and asking why. So I think that's a Thank nice you. way to round out that, that session.
1: It is, and that's become a mantra in personal development, hasn't it? In, in, in individual worker development and who we are as people, what's your why? Scott, what gets you up in the morning? What's your why? Why why are you here? What are you doing? So I'm, I appreciate that. Let's go to Scott's statement number four. This is interesting. You say, a curated data store doesn't happen in a vacuum. It requires work. The effort expended, though, is the difference between growing and thriving in the company's marketplace and being Yesterday's news, nobody here is yesterday's news. We're all relevant and going forward here. Scott, unpack this for me, please. This is newsworthy. Go ahead.
2: Sure. So, um, you know, there's a lot of talk these days around data lakes and curated sets of data and bespoke data hubs and all that kind of stuff. And it's, 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 um, it's, it's great audio to hear. And it's great to see on a slide. But there, but like I said earlier, there's no magic in this, right? You've you've got to invest the time in to build that curated data store to make sure the keys and the joins and everything can form and all that. And there you go, Bonnie, being way too technical. So sorry, I'm putting the audience. That's to sleep.
1: that's okay. So no, you're I'll not. Bring, you're not, I'll bring you're it, right.
2: I'll, bring, I'll bring it back up a, a notch. But okay. the point is, is right, um, you know, from an analytics first perspective, uh, and and Kevin. Uh, and myself make sure that, you know, at his company, we adhere to that day in and day out. We, we can attest to the fact that we actually have curated stores of data because from the developer starting to work with the data through the business partner that had the requirement, there are two mirrors of validation to tie out. There's validation from the, from where the data is coming from that we have to tie out as against as well in order to ensure that all that data is conforming correctly because the consumers of this analytics first data, you know, they're the executives running the company, they're the mm-hmm. down to the frontline people, down to the individual contributors. And so that was my part about, you know, again, uh, we talked earlier about shiny objects and shiny database engines, right? And the friction that that can cause. Well, you know, forget about the, the shiny engine and everything. You've got to get that data right. You just have to because now the technology is there that you can rip through that data in a matter of milliseconds or seconds these days, right? And it goes back to the old adage, garbage in, garbage out. So, you know, bespoke data, curated data sets, wonderful, great audio. But the reality is, is that there's work that's involved and you have to do that work. Tools will accelerate that, but you're still gonna have to do the work. But the benefits of it, like I said, or the difference between having the right numbers and growing in the marketplace and dominating it versus being yesterday's news.
1: Scott, who has to do that work? Who is the you? You have to do the work. Who's you?
2: Um, As an example, great question, Bonnie. Uh, The you, like I I said in our example, it starts with uh, the team. So we have an analytics first single team. That's Mm -hmm. not just Deloitte folks. It's not just people at the corporation. It's the combined team working together. Uh, One of the stops along the way is, is uh, Kevin and I make sure that we empower the developers. So the developers are getting their requirements from the business people. We have a process in place for vetting those requirements. And then we go to build. Once the build happens, we don't even move any of our objects out of our development environment until those two mirrors um, have signed off. So the developer and the business person have done their functional testing. The developer's also done the performance testing because that's very critical because we don't have unlimited resources. And when, once that happens, then I've got the validation on both sides to show that that data is correct. It's tying back here, okay? And then I have a higher confidence level of moving that model into the higher environments and ultimately letting the business consume that data to run their day-to-day.
1: Thank you. Kevin Aiden, thoughts about curating your data store and who gets to make sure it's clean, it's fresh, it's not sitting in a swamp somewhere, it's not yesterday's news, all kinds of metaphors for where the data is, lakes, swamps, oceans, ditches, I don't know. Kevin, talk to me.
3: Yeah, so I think ultimately this comes back to, you know, integrating your technology with the people in process. From a people point of view, the first thing that you need in your data or your solution is trust. And the way you build that trust is first and foremost, you know, having that that set of rigor as you're developing, as you're making enhancements, as you're moving objects up, that you have a very clear line in the sand of what is acceptable and what is going to continue that trust that you are, have hopefully built with your with your partners throughout the project. And you know, when you when you start talking about the process side of things, it's really where that curation comes into play you want some you want a solution that's easy to use by the business and you know if you're putting out data models that still require a lot of manipulation or require a lot of you know very specific technical knowledge to ingest the insights that are hidden in that data or even if the insights are still hidden in that data and you're not making it easy to you know tease those out you know you're not going to get the buy in you're not going to get the use and so ultimately i think this is Scott's way of agreeing with my point that, you know, it's, it's not only technology, but it's people and process as well. And ultimately that's the driver of your success is how the three, those three pillars integrate together to create a holistic solution.
1: Thank you very much. I heard the word trust. I heard the word holistic solution. Interesting. Scott, anything you want to comment back to Kevin?
2: No. <laughs> I, I, I mean, you know, like I, like I said earlier, this is this is uh, he's a great partner, um, you know, because we 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 balance each other out on this, and this is pro- this is probably a, a very strong attribute as to why Kevin's company, you know, this analytics first approach has been so successful.
1: Thank you very much. Uh, Kevin, we've covered most of your topics in the course of this conversation, but there's something in here I think you would like to talk about from from our earlier part of the discussion. You say having a strong change management group is key to ensuring program success to help the organization traverse the analytics adoption curve. Can you talk a little bit about the adoption curve?
3: Yeah, absolutely. And Bonnie, I appreciate you bringing that one up because I think it ties on really well to you know what we were just talking about is... First and foremost, when I say change management group, that's both informal and a formal change management. So as you're going through these projects, there's a lot of formal change management that happens that you know, you're know you changing the way people work, the way people do their day-to-day job. And hopefully you're changing that in a positive way to that to the point that you're making it easier for them to spend more time actually analyzing the data and less time trying to put data together and manipulate data. Um, but, you know, when I, when I talk about the analytics adoption curve, it's, it's fairly straightforward and most companies are somewhere on this curve um, because data is such a prevalent aspect of our everyday lives now that, you know, first and foremost, it's making sure that, you know, you have data at the company. Most companies collect data. It's then creating a solution or a process to actually mine that data and understand kind of how the data I have fits together. And as you start getting more and more advanced, you really get to the point where, you know, I have this curated data set, going back to the point that we were talking about. I have these data models that are um, pillar specific or channel specific or whatever it is you wanna call them. And then it really goes beyond that of how do I use the data that we have and how do I use these curated models to make those insights pop out so you can get to a more management by exception point of view where I'm not having to dig through every record or every line of data, Mm -hmm. but very easily I can see kind of what are the levers that are actionable and what is the data telling me that that action should be, or what what are the opportunities to create value? And from there, you know, you move down on more technical side of, you know, how do I then take this data that I have today and use that to understand what's going to happen? So getting out of the using data to understand what's already happened and then trying to make a decision, but using data to understand kind of what am I
2: about to see?
1: Interesting. Very interesting. Scott, comments, please. Agree or disagree.
2: Um, well, Kevin knows my, uh, my feelings around change management. I like to uh, be honest, unencumbered as, as, as possible, but that's not the reality of a, uh, of any corporation these days, right? They already have processes and everything in place. But I think one thing uh, that uh, Kevin and I both, you know, work very hard on is, is to simplify the change management and the communication process on this because the technology and the solution um, makes it so much faster. So should we keep these old change management processes that were in place for you know 10 plus years or is there a better way of doing this and you know this isn't something again where technology is solving this this is people you're going back to processes and people and this is the Mm -hmm. way that we've done it for 10 plus years okay so how dare you come along and want to change this or challenge it but you know it gives you and this is one of the the things it's not it's a non-technical benefit this is just a benefit of having a better way in a more efficient way of doing something being able to also take a look at that whole change management process as well you still keep a lot of it but there are parts of it that you can kind of go do it do i really need to wait uh two weeks to move something can i get a change in process to get that up there faster because um you know what we've observed at kevin's company is you know You have one successful analytics first deployment, and it's just going to beget more and more demand from other parts of the business you didn't expect to see.
1: That's exciting. Kevin, you want to comment on that? Where one says, well, it might not be, look at the shiny object they've got. It's, look at how fast things are moving. And I do have one more statement before we end. we got a few more minutes, Scott. I'm going to tee you up in a second. But Kevin, is that exciting for your, co- we haven't named your company, but we're talking about it in general terms, and that's mm-hmm. fine. So is that exciting when when one part of what maybe used to be a silo says, oh, We want that too. Why do we have to wait two weeks to quote Mr. Scott Gablehart? Because I heard you on the show today. Go go ahead. It's Scott's fault. Kevin, what do you think?
3: No, absolutely. That's (laughs) it's hugely exciting because ultimately that's our goal, right? Our goal is to make the company better. And the way you do that is you start breaking down these silos. And when we started this program three years ago, that was one of the first things we talked about was, you know, even within specific departments or um, pieces of the organization there's a number of analytical silos that you have a lot of overlap between. And you may have um, two or three teams working on the same project, not knowing that other folks are working on that project. And kind of the, the two big benefits to um, breaking down those silos are, first and foremost, you can move as one, right? The, the whole is stronger than the sum of its parts. And if you have three or four different teams that have an interest in a solution that you're working on, you know, not only do you get those various perspectives and you build a much stronger solution than each one of those silos in isolation could have, but then, you know, you're you're reducing the amount of work, you're building that trust, and those are kind of the subsequent cranks on the flywheel. And, you know, even beyond that, when you're building a broader solution than, you know, what a specific analytical silo could, you're not going to run the risk of those reconciliation exercises long-term where, you know, silo A and silo B may have various definitions for the same metric. And so you're you're creating that open conversation to build out a common set of beliefs or a common definition for what success is and for what you're trying to build.
1: A definition of success, what an interesting concept. <laughs> What's the why? Who's involved? Where are we going? As a team, as a bigger company team, we, I want to sneak in one more topic here. I'm not sure how. Well, we got about four minutes left, Scott. I'm looking at your statement number five. You say the concept of an EDW. You're going to unpack that for us, please. It's yesterday processes needs to remain in the past. I'm going to say in the rearview mirror. Adopting an analytics-first approach allows you to think differently and respond at a 21st century pace and this may go to something you mentioned about why do we have to wait two weeks but what is the edw and how does analytics first uh, we have about two minutes for you to do this then we'll get kevin's response scott go ahead
2: yeah so you you pick one of the bombshell statements uh, to bring up at the end so you, you guys start the egg timer on me because i i could bloviate forever on this one so i'm starting it uh, yeah yeah so again this is this is this is just my opinion right this isn't uh um it's just something i see as a trend right um you know, what we've, what we've successfully been able to demonstrate, not only Kevin's company, but companies across the globe who've adopted an analytics first approach is, is the shift away from, I don't need this big enterprise data warehouse, this lumbering 20th century thing where I have to throw all of my data for all of my company in there, because I got to go through, I've got to curate this data. Um, I have all these rigid rules In a lot of these companies, EDWs, it's just a dumping ground for data. And then I still have to do the work of curating it that we talked about, but I'm putting it at the individual level, right? Um, Taking an analytics first approach and having an analytics first platform, as we've highlighted on the prior podcast, and on this one, I think we've hit home quite a bit, um, that ability just to get at the data once you have the buy-in, understand the why, and materialize it from an idea to an actual model. And in some cases, I think Kevin and I have the process so efficient right now, we're talking four to 10 days. So from, from the moment someone in the business goes, you know, I'd like to see this about maintenance and revenue to there it is, start to consume it from a self-serve perspective or let's paint it <clears throat> on a dashboard, right? it 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 just completely changes the paradigm so i guess my message to a lot of the listeners out there is is like you know challenge and question do i need that edw that i've had at my corporation right and i'm probably going to get a ton of hate mail and everything about this and that's okay but um you know do i really need the concept of an edw moving forwards or do i really need these analytics first stores where once i get this process going and i said like one subject area that successfully goes live, but gets uh, all other parts of your company coming on. Well, I'd like, I'd kind of like that, but I want this about my particular piece of information. It just grows organically at a very rapid pace. Thank you,
1: Scott. I'm going to cut you because I want to give Kevin 30 seconds to respond. We're just about at the end. So Kevin, sorry, Scott, Kevin talk.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I, I'm of the firm belief that, you know, there, there's different solutions for different use cases, and there's a lot of viability around the various kind of um, theories or uh, at a theor- theoretical level, the, the purpose of an EDW as a data store. And, you know, for what we're doing on our day to day, there is a very strong um, A very strong rationale for creating that departmental data store that departmental analytics platform that you know scott and i are working on but ultimately i think it comes back to how do you guarantee that single source of truth and balance that methodology with you know to scott's point the agility that we have today of being able to go start to finish on average on four to eight days or four to ten days
1: thank you nice wrap up Gentlemen, it has been a pleasure. I've learned a lot. I know our listeners will. A good approach. Uh, so so many good takeaways. I'm going to send you each the audio with your names on it so you can find all those brilliant bon mots good words to use for for clips to share on social media. I want to do a shout out, of course, to our showrunner, Hasmin Bojanos at Deloitte. Thank you so much, Hasmin, bringing this topic. And Scott and Kevin, what an interesting interaction, what an interesting interplay. I know you've known each other for a long time, but it, it's obvious how well you, the two of you work together. And this was a different type of a conversation than we usually have on the kinetic enterprise. So I appreciate both of you. I want to do a shout out and thanks to our engineer, Aaron. Keller at Voice America, the business channel. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, signing off for another really, really timely, relevant, and important topic here on Deloitte, the Kinetic Enterprise. Bonnie D. signing off. Everybody wave. Don't go away, Scott and Kevin. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to the Kinetic Enterprise, built to evolve, presented by Deloitte. Be sure to join host Bonnie D. Graham next Friday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Deloitte can help you reimagine everything in order to get the most out of your SAP investments and position your business for tomorrow's demands. Learn more at Deloitte.com slash SAP. This program is copyright Deloitte Development, LLC. All rights reserved.